series. Some of you are like, what does this mean? There's a skull on the screen. Like when I grew up in church, if there was a skull anywhere, like you weren't at that church or you were kind of mad about it or something like that. I want to explain what we're going to be doing, the talk that we're going to have for the next few weeks and kind of prepare you on this journey that we're going to take. And it's actually, we're going to walk on this journey until one week after Easter. And so... What this idea is, is that as you read in scripture and as we get closer to Easter and, you know, he is risen and Good Friday, all of these things that we've heard of. And if you've grown up in church or even not in church, you you know some of these kind of popular terms and words. Golgotha is another term for skull. And another term that you might be more familiar with is Calvary, right? Like you've heard of Calvary Church and there's a bunch of them out there. The funny thing is you could also take that and call them skull church. So just letting you know, if you know somebody that goes to a Calvary church or Calvary Temple Baptist, whatever, like, they might not like skulls, but they could also know that there's the the, the same meaning and it comes from the same place. It's just a different language used to to describe the place where Jesus was crucified. And so there was this hill that looked like a skull. You can go find pictures. uh, But that's the idea. And so here's what we want to do. We want to go mining for gold at Golgotha. And there's actually seven things in Scripture that Jesus says as he's dying on the cross. Did you know that you, he probably used over 72 muscles just to speak, not to mention the fact that his nails have been driven through his hands and his feet. And as he's trying to gasp for air, he says seven very specific things. And the next few weeks, we want to dig into those very specific things because I don't just think, you know, he's dying on the cross and, and doing everything he can to speak a few things. And they were just, you know, on accident. But I truly believe that they were there for us to kind of dig into and find some gold that we can take and apply to our life. Like, who doesn't like gold, right? Uh, I I would call it like nuggets of wisdom and some things that we can take. But to me, it just points to the cross and it strengthens the message of the gospel. And this, the next few weeks as we dig into this series, my hope and my prayer is that we can take what is a small verse and a small piece of what Jesus says and begin to examine our lives and Say, okay, what can I apply? What can I challenge myself to do and think and maybe live my life a little bit differently? So I want to start reading in Scripture. We're starting with the very first one, and we're in Luke chapter 23, verse 33. And it says, when they came to the place called the skull, see, I'm not lying to you guys. They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And it says, Jesus said, this is the very first one. Buckle up, you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. It says this. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. It's powerful. Let me paint this picture for you. Not only is Jesus suffocating as he's hung on a tree with nails, but there's been a lot that's happened up to that point. That Jesus was taken away from his his homies, his friends, right? I haven't said homies in the pulpit in a long time, man. I don't know where that came from. Jesus is pulled away from his, his guys. He's beaten. He's spat at. He's placed on trial. And really, they're just trying to throw some, some things on him and pin him down for some things that he didn't really do. And they're trying to make some things seem a lot worse. And they're, they're just taking it all out of context. And they're just trying to pin him down and show everyone that he's a criminal. And he goes through this trial and even has, like, the people have this opportunity and this chance to set him free and to not send him to the cross. But the people there, this crowd, they come together and they actually set a known criminal free and put Jesus in his place to be died, to to be crucified. 
we know he's whipped and he's beaten and they put this crown of thorns in his head. And I want to read a few more things after we just read, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. It just kind of gives you a better picture. And it says, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saves others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Can you imagine just how smart alecky they said that, right? Like I imagine some things my three-year-old says, right, in that same tone as they're trying to, to, to make sure people understand and know that they are mocking him. His blood just gushes out of his body as he's trying to just gasp for air. Continue on and it says the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. I know around this time of year, we try to paint this picture of what the crucifixion of Jesus really looked like and the heaviness. And, you know, I didn't want to just show pictures from the Passion of the Christ today and, you know, try to gross anyone out. But just to understand the Son of God would be so willing hours before this. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's so stressed out that He's literally sweating drops of blood. We think we're stressed out, right? And we see this just awful death, this crucifixion, and it's not even so much the pain, the agony that he's feeling, but he's feeling this separation from his father, like from God, as he takes on the sins of this world. And it's just amazing to me that one of the seven things, the very first thing that, that's, that's noted that he would say from the cross, as he's gasping for air, as blood is gushing down his face, his father forgive them. And we see this scene of people mocking him and making fun of him. And they, they get a spear and stab him in the side and they're ripping him to shreds. His body can't stand much more. And at the same time, he's taking on my sin and he's taking on your sin, all of our sin. That's really what's killing him. That's really what's weighing on him. He's surrounded by criminals and dying a criminal's death. This morning, I'm reading this story and just really trying to dig into this thought of the Son of God being treated in such a way, but being so willing to forgive. Looking at these people that are stealing his clothes. It's heavy. Today, I've just got a few thoughts from, from this passage that I think we need today. The first one is this. Forgiveness is our greatest need because sin is our greatest problem. See, it's, it's one thing to, to talk about something, and it's one thing to, you know, preach one thing and live a different life. We've seen a lot of people that live lives like that, that maybe not even just Christians in church, but they preach this and they preach that and they believe in this, but they don't always back it up with the lifestyle that they live. And I love to see Jesus just continually in his ministry, in, in the, the three years that's recorded, that multiple times he points back to this idea of forgiveness 
at the end of it, we can see that he's hung on the cross to take our sins and to create this way that makes it possible for us to live and and experience eternity with God. That man brought in sin to this world when they, they started eating some fruit, right? Like, at least let it be something tasty. At least let it be like a fried Oreo with ice cream. Like something from the Sonic menu, right, that you've got to eat after like 9 p.m. Something worthwhile. But we've seen sin enter the world and we follow this story up into this point. And Jesus is this bridge that makes it possible for us to have a real true relationship with God. As we dig into the things that he says, like it's just amazing to me that that we see the purpose behind the cross, right? We see the why behind the what in this very first statement that he came to give us forgiveness. When we didn't deserve it, when we couldn't have done anything to earn it, he's willing to send his one and only son to die on the cross for me and for you and for everyone because he cares that much about us. Today you might be sitting there and you're like, oh, I've heard this message before. I grew up in church. But if we become numb to the gospel, if we become numb to this story and what it means to us as Christians, we're doing it all wrong. If we just stop thinking about what Jesus really, really, really did for us, it changes the way that you live. And this morning I think that a lot of us, we take on the Christian, you know, well, This is what we are, and we go to church, and we serve, but do we really understand the weight that Jesus sacrificed, that he came from heaven and put skin on, and he he grew up in, in the worst way possible, that he's born in a barn, and he goes through life, and he can experience the things that we experience, and the struggles, and just everything that comes with it. He wants to understand us, and know us, and ultimately... Build this bridge of forgiveness for us. I could take you through the book of Romans and just read verse for verse that really help us understand and know and that we all fall short, like we, we all, we've all sinned. I hate to break it to you, but you're not perfect. And that we're all going to mess up, we're all going to do something wrong. And The funny thing is, like, God expects it. And it, it doesn't really surprise him. But I think he loves to see us really understand the things that we've allowed into our life. And as we begin to walk away from our past and our struggles and our sin, we begin to walk toward Jesus. Today, we've got to understand and we've got to know that our greatest need is Jesus. And the forgiveness that he offers and really the bigness of this idea of what forgiveness really looks like. That he didn't have to. That he made a way for us. Number two, I've got something else here. It's this thought. It's just because he provided it doesn't mean you've received it. Just because he died on the cross, t- t- like t- took all of the sin, doesn't mean that we've made the decision. And maybe we have made the decision, but we haven't really lived our life in light of that decision. Maybe we, we've raised our hand and we've had that goosebumps feeling moment at church and we've walked down to an altar and we've prayed with somebody. But let's be honest, that doesn't always mean that we're living our life to reflect that decision and living our life to reflect the grace that, that God has given us by sending his one and only son to take our sin on the cross. 
hard for us to really gulp and swallow this idea of forgiveness because let's be honest, it's something that all of us struggle with in life because like I say this all the time, we put our trust in people and then they break our trust. And it's this vicious cycle that we experience because like I said, we live in an imperfect world full of imperfect people and we, we go through life trying to put our trust in people and trying to, to show our true self to people and a lot of us get burned, a lot of us just get thrown into the ground and then we just become so broken from it. But today, maybe you've made that decision. Maybe you've walked in this idea of being a Christ follower because you've haven't become numb to this idea of what the cross means and the forgiveness that it offers. But we have to realize that it's a real thing. That we have to come to the conclusion that Jesus just didn't die on the cross so we could have cool cross necklaces. He didn't die on the cross so we could share in communion and just let it be that. His mission was to offer us forgiveness and do it in a way that there was no expectation of getting anything in return. And just because he provides it doesn't mean that you're really, truly digging into what it means and how it changes your life. Number three, can we live for what he died for? Because if you read how Jesus speaks of forgiveness and what that actually looks like, a lot of times he's challenging us to forgive beyond what we think we should do. If you look in the Lord's Prayer, like this is the example that he's giving people and saying, this is the prayer, right? This is how you pray and take it and like this is the example for you. And so he's giving it to these people and his disciples and he's saying, this is how you do it. We could probably all recite the Lord's Prayer, but there's this very specific piece that says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. Like, it's that important that there's a segment of the Lord's Prayer specifically, not just for us to be forgiven. Like, we like that idea. Like, it's easy for us to be like, hey, God, forgive me for this and help me with this. But to go the next level and say, okay, I'm going to offer forgiveness. And can I tell you that when you begin to practice forgiveness in your life, even when people have burned you, even when people have come against you, and you begin to show the world the forgiveness that was offered to you on the cross, something begins to happen, and we begin to slowly wrap our minds around something we probably can't, but the forgiveness Jesus gave us on the cross. That his people spat at him and mocked him and pushed him down into the mud. As he carried this wooden beam on his back that's been obliterated. That he's fighting for his life. Fighting just to gasp another breath. And he uses over 72 muscles, probably a little bit more as he's lifting his entire body. The weight of his wrists probably feels like his hands are about to just fall off. He's willing to look at these people. He wants forgiveness for them. That he loves them enough to know why he did what he did. We can't become numb to this message. We can't just continue on and not just 
God reveal new things to us as we read through these scriptures that a lot of us have probably read time and time again. But to be challenged to say, I want to live for what he died for. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is actually like a prophetic word in Isaiah that this was going to happen. That he would pray this prayer for hateful, spiteful people. It's funny because he's praying this prayer and it's not so much about what he's praying, but it's what he's, like, what he's paying for. Right? He's covering the cost and he's making this way for us to have this relationship and to live this life that's free of sin. I've got more verses to read for you guys. I just came ready today. Right after you read the Lord's Prayer, it says this specific verse. shows you how, how just tuned into this thought of forgiveness and it's just continuous in Jesus' ministry. But he recites the Lord's Prayer and he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, Your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. He's just teaching people how to pray. And you would think after you finish the example prayer of all time from the son of God, you would imagine he would say, and, you know, maybe you could do this. And this is another way you could say this and pray this way. But I love that he specifically chimes in on forgiveness because it's that important. something that we've got to begin to practice in our lives and something that we, we see Jesus live and die for, we've got to do the same thing. I've got another verse for you. It's Matthew chapter 5. A lot of these verses are actually from the Sermon on the Mount. Like this is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Like I could try really hard, right? But this is Jesus. And he's going for a long time covering a lot of material and he's just blowing people's minds. And he's saying a lot of things that just kind of push the status quo. But this is one very incredible thing that he says. Because the culture is all about getting revenge. And let's be honest, it hasn't changed much, right? Like if somebody does something to you, you're not afraid to get on Facebook and blast them. Somebody does something to you, you're coming at them with a lawsuit. Somebody does something to you, you're coming at them with everything you have, guns a-blazing. But Jesus is going countercultural in this moment where he's got a multitude of people and he's just giving out this wisdom. And this is what he says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is completely the opposite of what our culture has been spoon feeding us since this time and before. That we're supposed to come after people and we're supposed to be mad at people and harbor bitterness. And he's saying, hey, the people that hurt you, the people that you've tried to give trust to and they've thrown it into the ground, the people that have come against you and your family, love them and pray for them. And we see this exemplified on the cross. That the first thing that he utters from his mouth his mission to seek and to save the lost. Today we have to just examine our own lives. Let's be honest. We've been hurt. We've been broken. We live heavy lives. But we have to be challenged to make the decision to live for what he died for died for a lot of things. I know the list could go on and on and on. 
He's praying to his father. Forgive them. And I think today, what would our lives look like? If we began to take on the example of Christ, and I know that it could be there's so many things that he shows us and so many different things that he teaches us and we can apply to our lives, but I guarantee you one of the greatest things that you can begin to do is forgive the people that have wronged you and go to the next level and love them and pray for them and pray God's very best for them because there's going to be people all throughout your life that don't like you. I know some of you are mad about it, right? That, that, that come against you, that fight to bring you down. Let's be honest, like it's not so bad when they come after you, but when they come after someone that you love. And I wonder how we can point our lives back to Jesus when we begin to love people and pray for people that persecute us, that come after us, that come against us and say, you know what? I know that he doesn't treat me well. I know that that he says bad things about me, but you know what? I'm going to say great things about him. And I love to see that Jesus doesn't just forgive, but he continues to just top it. And he continues to go to the next level. And I just wonder what would happen if we would begin to take these words and heed them in our lives and say, you know what? I can live life differently than the culture, than the examples that have been shown to me about being mad and about talking about people behind their backs. And I can live a life like Christ and and, and show people forgiveness that he has shown me time and time again. Because no one has been more wronged No one has been lied to more. No one has done filthier things to anyone than to all of us, to Christ. Life looks a lot different when we begin to forgive and live this out in our lives. And I know that a lot of you, you're like, how do I get there? Like, I don't think it's just something you just instantaneously do. But it's something that we begin to say, okay, how do I take next steps towards forgiving? Can I tell you that you could just continue to read the words of Jesus? Someone that showed us what true forgiveness looks like. Isaiah 43, 25 says this, and it says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. It's easy for us to read a verse like that and be like, oh, thanks. (laughs) But when I know that I'm supposed to forgive like God has forgiven me, it changes the way that I live. Can I tell you that you need to walk through life not harboring the bitterness, not just being mad at somebody, not just trying to get revenge, but focusing on the purposes that he's placed in your life. That you need the freedom that is found walking away from the sinful nature of fighting after somebody and coming after them because they did this and they did this. I'm not saying let people walk all over you. I'm not saying, you know, let them just try to beat you up and come against you and fight you. I'm saying you show them Jesus in the words that you say, in the life that you live. And I only imagine what happens in your life when you begin to show the light of Jesus in this dark world. Where we need it so desperately that people fight for parking spots and they're cussing at people down the road, we show people the love of Jesus. This morning, I'm convicted. This morning, I'm preaching this to myself, I guarantee you. But I think all of us can begin to say, okay, this is my starting point. This is where I'm at. How do I get over here? As we dig into just a few words that Jesus says as he's gasping for his life. 
I guarantee you it will change your life forever. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you for sending your son when you didn't have to. God, making a way for us when there was literally no way. God, thank you for offering us forgiveness when mankind has literally thrown you to the wayside so many times with so many decisions. The people of God have walked away from you time and time again, but you're so faithful. God, you're so consistent. You're so loving. And God, I pray that we could begin to show the world what that looks like by the lives that we live. I thank you for the cross and what it means to us. God, that this morning we can begin to uncover what it means to forgive like you do. God, for us to know that our greatest need is you, and it's the forgiveness that you offer on the cross.